Welcome to the sermon podcast of Southside Baptist Church, a body of Christ located in beautiful Norman Park, Georgia. We are so glad you chose to listen in today. It's our prayer you would find the message of Jesus Christ compelling and uplifting, and that your life would be changing continually from hearing the Word of God. If you would like more information about our church or would like more digital content, please feel free to check us out on the web at southsidenp.org. And now for today's message. Thank you, ladies, choir. Turn with me again, if you would, back to the book of Joshua. We're going to continue in our series in the book of Joshua. Strong and courageous living in a dangerous world. We're moving into chapter 2 this morning. The title of the message this morning is this, God Saves the Outsider. God Saves the Outsider. There's hope for the hopeless. Hope for the hopeless. And we're going to read the entire chapter of Chapter 2, verses 1 through 24. However, when we stand to read, we're only going to focus on verses 8 through uh, 11 uh, when we stand. If there's a passage in the Bible that speaks of hope for the hopeless, it's the story of Rahab. If there's a story in Scripture where the grace of God is on display in an amazing and wonderful way, it's the story of Rahab. If there's a story that speaks of the all-inclusive grace of God, where we see God's grace extended to race, anyone, regardless of their lifestyle, regardless of their race, regardless of their heritage, regardless of their nationality, it's the story of Rahab. Oftentimes what we consider as unsavable, Thank goodness the Lord doesn't see it that way. God doesn't see it that way. The story should bring great encouragement to anyone who thinks that they're far beyond the grace of God. To the one who may think that they're the worst of the worst. And there's many of us in this room today that are thankful for the grace of God. That are thankful for the far-reaching grace of our Lord. Jesus Christ. This is a picture of God's grace. It's a picture of God's mercy. It's a picture of God's redemption. It's a picture of who God is and what God does. It's a picture of saving faith. As Rahab puts her faith in God. This is a picture of the power of God to save all of those who call upon the name of Christ in faith. So as we Get into this message this morning, if you would stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word. Again, we're going to read from verses 8 on through verse 11. 8 through 11. The Bible says this, Before the men lay down, she, that's Rahab, came up to them on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you uh, when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction in verse 11. And as soon as we heard it, 
our hearts melted. And there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord, your God, he is God in the heaven above and on the earth beneath. Father God, we come to you. Thanking you, Lord, again for this day. Lord, as we come to the the spoken word, Father, this is a wonderful passage of grace. A wonderful passage of redemption. A wonderful passage of saving faith. Lord, that we all can be encouraged by this morning. Father, maybe there's somebody in here this morning that, that, that thinks that they're too far gone. That your grace doesn't extend to them for what they've done in their lives. But I hope that as we walk through this passage, that they see that's not the case. Thank you. you may be... Father, we thank you and praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Prior to his salvation experience, Robbie Gallaty felt a sense of hopelessness. He tells of that hopelessness in his book, Growing Up. Gallaty writes this. He says, it was November the 22nd, 1999, when an 18-wheeler traveling at 60 miles per hour swerved across two lanes of traffic and slammed my car into the guardrail. Upon diagnosis, doctors confirmed I had two herniated discs in my neck, one herniated disc in my back, and one bulging disc in my lower back. I was in horrific pain. Their solution, a combination of oxycodone, Valium, Soma, and Percocets. Initially, he says, I took the meds precisely as directed. But in three months, I found myself addicted. When my 30-day supply ran low as a result of my abuse, I desperately turned to dubious means of feeding my insatiable cravings for more. My life quickly spiraled out of control. Two acquaintances introduced me to the lucrative world of dealing drugs. I thought I'd hit rock bottom when I stole $15,000 from my parents, he says. I was a 25-year-old drug dealer. Hopelessly addicted to prescription medications. The police were on my trail. And my prosperous life suddenly fell apart. Robbie had hit rock bottom. In fact, he was at a point when, from a human perspective, some of us might consider Robbie Gallaty of no use to God. But I can assure you, I can assure you that God didn't see it that way. November the 12th, 2002, while in a treatment facility for his addiction, Robbie was introduced to Jesus Christ. Gallaty recalled the words of a college friend when he said this, Robbie, let this sink in this morning, church. Robbie, no matter what you have done, Christ loves you and is waiting for you to call out to him in repentance and faith. Galilee did just that. He surrendered himself to Christ. He confessed his sins and asked the Lord to save him from the mess he had made of his life. God did a work in the life of Robbie Galatee. Robbie now is a successful pastor at Long Hollow Baptist Church in Hendersonville, Tennessee. He's got a beautiful family. He's, he's a successful author of many books. He's founder of Replicate Ministries. But most importantly, Robbie's life was transformed by Christ. He went from dealing drugs to a disciple of Jesus. The grace of God, church, has no limits. God's grace can reach the lowest of the low and the highest of the high. 
The Israelites, they stand on the Jordan River. They stand on the banks of the Jordan River. They, they prepare to cross the Jordan. God has commissioned Joshua as their leader. Joshua called the people. When they were to cross into the Jordan River, they were to first come to the Canaanite city of Jericho. Jericho lie about two miles west of where the Israelites were crossed the Jordan. Now understand something about Jericho. Jericho was a wicked city. Jericho was a depraved and corrupt city. It was, it was a pagan culture. And Jericho was under the condemnation of God. Jericho was going to be destroyed. The city was and all of its inhabitants as well. So one would think, one would think that all was lost in the wicked city of Jericho. One would think that nobody would survive in the wicked city of Jericho. But I can assure you this, and here's the point this morning. Through His grace, God offered hope to the hopeless. And if you're here this morning, it is through the grace of God that hope is offered to those of us who are hopeless. So this morning we're going to consider several things that this narrative unfolds. And remember, as I've told you in the beginning, listen, we need to put ourselves in the midst of this narrative as we walk through the book of Joshua. We're going to see three things basically this morning. We're going to highlight the allegiance, the confession, and the actions of one woman by the name of Rahab. So number one on your outline, Rahab's allegiance begins to change. Her allegiance begins to change. Look at verse one. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly into Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. So this story is now similar to Moses when he sent the twelve spies into the promised land to spy it out. Jericho, again, it was a pagan city, but it was an important city. It was the most important city in the Jordan Valley at that particular point in time. It was a stronghold. It was heavily fortified city, as we'll see later when we study Jericho as they go and battle Jericho. But notice what the spies do. They go into the land, but they go directly to the city of Jericho, and they lodge in the house of a woman by the name of Rahab. Well, who is this Rahab? Well, some believe that this was probably a good place to get information. So that's where a lot of people would go. Rahab may have been an innkeeper as well. Or perhaps this was a place where uh, they would not have been uncommon for men to go. Hence Rahab the prostitute. But who was this Rahab? Well, Rahab, we know she was a prostitute. Some translations say a harlot. But she may have also been an innkeeper as well. But we know a prostitute is a sexually immoral woman in this case, or a woman of ill repute. Rahab was certainly an unexpected person that God was going to use to fulfill his purposes and his plans. And so when we think as individuals that God can't use us, that's baloney. That's the devil talking to you that's saying God can't use you regardless of what you've done. Regardless of who you are, regardless of the family that you come from, God can use you if you allow him to use you. But Rahab, she would have been certainly an unexpected person to be used by God. She was not a likely candidate to become a hero of the faith. 
But let me tell you this, but what is even more noteworthy is Rahab. If you look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, and I encourage you to do that. Rahab, the prostitute, is found in the lineage of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So tell me God can't use people for His purposes and His plans. So the spies, they end up in the home of Rahab. But as we continue with this narrative, it's apparent that their secret was not a secret after all. Look at verses 2 and 3. It says, And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, the men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. So the secret of these spies had been known. The secret had somehow come about. The king knew that these spies were in town. They knew that, that they were there. It said, Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out the land. So probably knowing that men would show up at Rahab's house, knowing that Rahab was a place of information, the king sends his men directly to the house of Rahab. Let's go on. Look at verses 4 through 7. We'll see how Rahab responds. So understand something. This would have been an interesting dilemma for Rahab. She finds herself in an interesting dilemma. And oftentimes we find ourselves in the same dilemma. But God continues to work and he continues to use uh, Rahab in verses 4 through 7. He says, but the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, when the king's men came true, the men came to me, but I did not know where they came from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. And I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid on order in the roof. And so the men pursued after them uh, on the way to to the Jordan as far as the fords. And the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. We notice in this passage that, that Rahab's allegiance begins to change. Her allegiance, obviously, prior to this interaction here, would have probably been a pagan allegiance. She would have been worshiping other gods, the gods of Jericho, the gods of the other nations and things. But her allegiance begins to change. Well, how do you know that? Because of what she says. She says she acknowledges. Notice notice a couple things here about Rahab's acknowledgement. She acknowledges that she's seen the men. True, the men came to me. So there is an acknowledgement. Here, but Rahab also flat out lies. Notice what else she says. And she says, but the woman said, and she said, true, these men came to me, but I do not know where they came from. Rahab was risking her life. And not only was Rahab risking her life, she was risking the life of those around her, those who were in her family By harboring these spies. She was risking her livelihood. So you may be wondering why why the deception. Now wait a minute. If God was going to use Rahab. If God was going to use her for his plans and his purposes. Why in the world would he have her lie directly to these men? 
We know God is not a God of lies and all those other things. I mean, how is her deception justified? If you read Hebrews chapter 11, verses 31, and James chapter 2, verse 25, her faith is admired. It's admired. Well, how do we admire somebody that just flat out and boldly lies to the face of these men when they come asking about these men that she's harboring in her home? Well, Scripture does not condone her actions. Nowhere do you see where it says that God condoned the actions of Rahab. However, had Rahab not done what she had done, the spies would have certainly been killed. They would have certainly been killed. And we know that forgiveness is available with God. So ultimately, her words kept the king's men from looking in the house for the men that had come to spy out the land. Now, we know this was God's purpose and this was God's plan, and we accept that. But oftentimes, it's hard to justify those kind of things. It's hard to see where God is working in and through those things. Have you ever heard of Corey Tinboom? Many of you probably have heard of Corey Tinboom. She was uh, alive during the, the Holocaust, and her and her family, what they did is they hid the Jews. They hid many Jews, hundreds and probably thousands of Jews, and helped them escape. They deceived the Nazis. They lied to the Nazis. They lied to the Nazis. When we were in Scriven, there was a ministry that we supported. It was called the the, the Miller. They were the Millers, and they had they had a boat ministry. And what they would do, they would take that boat and they would cross the ocean, and they would go into Cuba. But what the Cubans didn't know is their boat had hidden passages and things and hidden compartments. And it had all kinds of stuff that they would they would they would smuggle into Cuba, Bibles and 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 things for, for the people in Cuba. But they were deceiving the Cuban government. They were deceiving the Cuban government. So how do we justify all those kind of things? Well that was part of God's purpose. In God's plan. So sometimes we just have to look at it and say, God, I know you're working in this situation. I don't understand it. I don't understand why it's happening, what I have to do, what I have to do. But I know it's your plan and your purpose. And so that's what Rahab did. Her allegiance was beginning to change. And I think that the actions of Rahab parallel these illustrations. Sometimes we do things that are God's plans and God's purpose. So when our allegiance begins to change... Understand, we start recognizing things around us from God's perspective instead of our own. We start seeing things differently, and that's what Rahab began to do. So as Rahab's allegiance begins to change, Rahab began to see things from God's perspective. And as she begins to see things from God's perspective, she truly was one in need of redemption. She not only saw things from the perspective of God. When we begin to see things from God's perspective, you know what we do? We see us ourselves as sinners. We see ourselves as sinners in need of a Savior. And that's exactly what Rahab began to do. Number two on your outline, Rahab confesses saving faith in God. Look at verses 8 through 10. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to them, I know That the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. Verse 10, for we have heard 
how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before, uh, before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and all whom you devoted to destruction. Again, we've already discussed that Rahab was not in, in, in the ideal circumstances to come to faith. Rahab lived in a pagan nation. She was surrounded by wicked people in a wicked city and a city that worshipped God, but not the God, the one true God. Her lifestyle alone might suggest someone who certainly was, from a human perspective, a unlikely candidate for the redemption of God. Nonetheless, let's notice some things about Rahab. Rahab recognized these men were from the Lord. Well, how did Rahab recognize that? Only through God working in her life. She recognized that these men were from the one true God. Not the many gods that were worshipped in the, 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 the city of Jericho. She also recognized that the Lord, the one true God, had given the land to the Israelites. And she understood that not only had they given the, the entire land, but they'd given the land that she lived in to the Israelites. And so even in the midst of her life as a prostitute in a, in a pagan and, and, and immoral nation and corrupt and wicked city that Rahab lived, she was learning about the one true God. So oftentimes I think that we make excuses. Oh, it's the, the lifestyle that I live. Oh, it's the nation that I live in. Oh, it's the, the city that I live in. Listen, we have no excuses. Because the grace of God, it extends beyond our excuses. Things beyond. Notice what she says in verse 10. And we see that in verse 11 as well. We have heard. Rahab had heard about the redemption of the Israelites from Egypt. She had heard about the redemption of the people from the two Amorite kings. When Rahab says we have heard, she begins to recognize who God was. But not only who God was. But what God had done. This is an historical picture, church, of the redemption that God provides us in Christ Jesus. When we are redeemed, we begin to know that God is who he says he was. We begin to understand what God has done, what Jesus did through, uh, the, through on the cross. We understand those things. We begin to see those things. And that is the only way that redemption comes when we begin to understand and see ourselves for who we are, sinners in need of a Savior. Rahab began to see herself as a sinner in need of a, a Savior, someone who needed redemption to be redeemed. She recognized who God was and what God had done. Rahab's confession of faith, it was saving faith. It was based on the redemption that God had provided to the Israelites. When we compare that with us as Christians, our saving faith, our confession of faith, is not based on what God did for the Israelites. It's based on the redemption that God provides through the death and resurrection of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. That's where it comes from. 
And notice what she does in verse 11. Here, here it is. Here's her confession of faith, if you will. And as soon as we heard it again, there we heard it. Our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. This is when she confesses it. For the Lord, your God, He is God. He is God in the heavens above. She doesn't stop there. And on the earth beneath. That's a confession of who God is. God is the God of heaven, but he's also the God of earth as well. It speaks of creator God. It speaks of God owning everything and and, and being everything. All the things that God was and all the things that God had done. She had a change of heart. Rahab went from fearful to faithful. She went from lost to saved. Rahab went from a prostitute to one who professed God. It was Rahab's faith that saved her. She believed in the God of, the, of heaven and the God of the earth beneath. Hebrews eleven thirty one says this about Rahab. Chapter 11 of Hebrews is what we call the, the hall of fame of faith. It says, by faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Understand something. Church, it's a clear picture that we are saved by our faith and not by our works. It wasn't what Rahab did that saved her. It was her faith. When she put her faith in God, she put her faith in the God who redeemed the Israelites from Egypt. The God who redeemed the Israelites from the, the both of the Amorite kings. And for us, it's by faith that we are saved, not by our works. Our works are a direct result of our faith. It's not the other way around. You cannot work yourself to heaven. It's by our faith. It's God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, that one is saved. Rahab was a changed woman. In the eyes of God, Rahab is no longer seen as a Prostitute. Now the world probably saw her as the same thing. Everybody around her saw her as a prostitute. One commentator says this, Rahab was no longer viewed as an unclean prostitute, but as one worthy of abundant life with God. Listen, you could, you, we, we could all put our, our same story in there. Blank was no longer viewed as an unclean blank. But as one worthy of abundant life with God. The Apostle Paul went from persecutor to preacher. The thief on the cross, when he cried out to Christ to save him, he went from persecuted to paradise. And as, as a pastor, Rahab went from sinner to saint. Now listen, as, as a pastor, one of the things that I often hear people say when you when you share the gospel, when you witness to people, preacher, you don't know what I've done. Preacher, you don't know the life that I live. Preacher, you don't know what I've done to people, what I've said to people. You don't know the things that I've done to my body, preacher. And I respond, you're right, I don't have any idea. I don't have any idea. But I know somebody that does. And his name is Jesus Christ. And regardless of what you've done, regardless of who you are, and regardless of where you are right now, you're not beyond the grace 
of my God. And I don't know where you are in this church this morning. I don't know where you are. I don't know where you are on Facebook. But you are never beyond the grace of God. Never. Never. In fact, I think one of the greatest things. And I'll be honest with you. I get a little jealous of this sometimes. And I know that's a sin. But I get jealous of the Apostle Paul's conversion experience. I get jealous of those conversion experience about those folks who are living in, in, in just the, the, you know, the, 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 the just deplorable uh, lifestyles and all those other things. But when God gets a hold of them and he reaches down and his grace reaches that individual and completely transforms their life. I, I, those are just absolutely amazing stories to me. Because it lets me know that it doesn't matter who you are and what you've done and where you've been. That the grace of God cannot reach out and get a hold of you. There are no limits on God's saving ability. There is hope for anyone and everyone regardless of how bad or how good they are. Listen, oftentimes it's the good ones that have such a difficult time coming to Christ. His grace extends to all. Confess faith in Christ and you will be saved. Romans 10, 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? Saved. Saved. It doesn't say anything about now if you're if you're if you live this kind of lifestyle, if you live this kind of lifestyle, if you're this kind of person. If you're this color, this color, if your skin's this color, no, it does not say that. It doesn't say that. You will be saved. James Rahab 25 says this about Rahab. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them another way. The third thing I want you to notice this morning is Rahab was justified by her works. It was her faith that saved her. But she was justified by her works. Rahab's actions were visible evidence of her faith. Number three, Rahab acted upon her faith in God. True faith, true saving faith should automatically lead us to act upon that faith. In fact, our works are an outward sign of what God has done internally to those of us who confess faith in Christ. Rahab was no different. Notice several things about the actions of Rahab. The first thing in verses 12 through 14, there's a genuine concern not only for herself, but for her entire family. In verse 12, it says, now then, uh, it says, now then, please uh, swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you will also deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign. Verse 13, that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver uh, our lives from death. 14, and the men said to her, our life for yours, even to death, if you do not tell her business of ours. Then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. She was no longer concerned about Rahab alone. She was concerned about her entire family. She was no longer self-centered Rahab. 
prostitute Rahab that only cared about herself and maybe her livelihood. But Rahab cared about herself and her family. Number two, she supports the purpose and plans of God. Verse 15, and then she let them down by a rope through the window for her house was built in a city wall so that she lived in the wall. Rahab lived in the wall, and that's another miracle we'll see later on. And she said to them, go into the hills or the pursuers will encounter you and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. And afterward, you may go your way. So Rahab let the spies down. She she lied in the beginning with those men that came from the king. And she told them, go on, you can you can search for them. You can overtake them. She sent them on their way. And then as they're gone and all this stuff takes place, Rahab lets the, the men down by a rope. She protects them. She gives them instructions on where to go and where to hide. And how long to stay there. You know, think about this. She protected the spies. Rahab could have just as easily turned these spies over to the government, over to the king. Physically, the lives of these spies were in the hands of a prostitute. In the hands of a woman of ill repute. She could have given them over to the king. She could have told their business to the king. But Rahab was a changed woman. She was a changed woman. She had been touched by the hand of God. Her heart had been transformed by God. And so she honors her oath. Look with me if you will. Let me finish with this. The men said to her, we will be guiltless with respect to their, this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, we will come into the land. You shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and you shall gather into your house your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we will be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on, on, on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. But if you tell the business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said, verse 21, According to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. It's a sign of active faith. She honors her oath. She says, according to your words, so be it. She tied that scarlet, that scarlet cord in the window seal that they had, she had let the men down. That scarlet cord represented a, a, the, a, the color would stand out. When they came back, look at very, if you look over in Joshua chapter 6, you don't have to turn there, but verse 22, it says this. But the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, go into her prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belonged to her as you swore to her. How did they know that that was her house? Because the scarlet cord was tied on the window that Rahab had let the men down. She honored her oath. The color would make her home stand out notice also that that scarlet cord was symbolic of the passover remember the passover god told the israelites to put blood on their doorposts and their lentils why so the angel of death would pass over their homes rahab would be passed over her family would be passed over 
in the destruction of Jericho. Number four, she had an impact on others. Verses 22 through 24. They departed, that's the men, into the hills and remained there three days. They did exactly what Rahab told them to do until the pursuers returned. And the pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing. Then the two men returned. They came down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun. And they told him all that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, this is what they said, Truly, the Lord has given all the land into our hands, and also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. They told Joshua the same thing that Rahab had said to them. Rahab had an impact on those men. Rahab understood what was happening. There was salvation for her family. There was, she guided and protected the spies in the hills. And the spies confirmed the same things that Rahab confirmed. They began to think the same way as Rahab thought. Or Rahab began to think the, to think the same way that they thought. Remember, these are men of God. These are, these are God's chosen people. So they understood who God was. They knew who God was. But Rahab wasn't. In fact, Rahab was probably the first Gentile convert. She began to have an impact on others. She had an impact on those spies. She had an impact on her family. And how often in Scripture do we see that one individual, when they, when they come to Christ, has an impact on their family? Listen, I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't think that's a coincidence. James 2.26 is for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. When our hearts are transformed by putting our faith and trust in Christ as Savior and Lord, our actions follow. When our minds are, are transformed, when, our, when we repent and, and everything changes in our lives, God changes the way we think. God changes our actions. And the actions of Rahab were changed. So the story of Rahab, it's one of hope for the hopeless. Are you hopeless this morning? The story of Rahab, it brings in full view of the grace of God. Jesus Christ came to seek and to save the lost. Let me assure you something this morning. Those of you in this room now and those of you on Facebook as well, let me assure you, and I can't implore this enough, you are not beyond the grace of my God. Regardless of where you are. You remember the prodigal son? He was pretty far gone, I would imagine. You're not beyond the grace of God. So if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, if you're listening on Facebook and you are not a Christian, are you lost this morning? Yes, you're lost. And I don't mean that you're lost because you don't know where you are. I mean you're lost because you're lost in the direction that you're going. You're going in the direction that's going to send you to hell. But is your heart being convicted? Notice that the heart of Rahab was already being convicted. God was already working on the heart of Rahab. God was drawing her. God was seeking 
Rahab. Is God changing your allegiance this morning? Again, regardless of what you've done, God can take a wretch like you and a wretch like me and wash us white as snow. So I want to encourage you this morning to put Christ as personal Lord and Savior. Confess Jesus as personal Lord and Savior. Your life will be transformed and your actions will follow. Maybe you're a Christian in here this morning. Many of us are. May I remind you this morning that God has transformed your life. And because of that, He expects our complete obedience. And so is that what He is getting from you and from me this morning? If not, listen, we just need to repent. We need to repent of those sins that are that are keeping us away from the Lord. We need to repent of those sins that are zapping our spiritual power and turn back to God. Rahab, her life was changed. Rahab was a prostitute. I don't know where each and every one of us are this morning. But I want to do something a little different this morning. Something that I don't normally do in an invitation. I want everybody to stand, if you would. And I want every eye closed and every head bowed. And again, I don't normally do this. But God has laid it on my heart this week in my preparation. There may be some in here that have never accepted Christ as personal Lord and Savior. They've never put their faith in Jesus. I want to speak directly to you this morning. If you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, I want you to pray this prayer with me and understand something. It's not the prayer that saves you. This is why I normally don't do these kind of things. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's Christ. That saves you. But I want you to follow along with this prayer. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that there's nothing that I can do to save myself. Lord, I want you to come into my life and forgive me of my sins. I want to turn from my wicked ways, Lord, and turn to you. I want you to be my Savior and my Lord. If you prayed that prayer this morning, would you just lift up your hand so I know it, so I can pray for you? If you're here this morning and you are a Christian, you've been a Christian maybe for a while or maybe just a short time, but you know you're not living the life that God has intended you to live. You know that you're not Your actions don't show that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Pray this prayer with me if you would. Lord, I know that I'm a follower of you. I know that I've turned my life over to you. Lord, I know that I've made you my Savior, but I haven't really made you Lord of my life. Father, I repent with you.
of the sins, Lord, that are separating me from my relationship with you. If you said that prayer this morning, would you lift your hand so I can pray with you and walk with you through that? Thanks again for listening today. We hope the word preached today would be used by God mightily as you go about your week. Again, if you would like more information about our church or would like more digital content, please feel free to check us out on the web at southsidenp.org. Have a blessed day and may God grant you grace this week to grow more into the likeness of Jesus.